0: Tom Parry. Matt Boyle, how's it going? I'm good, thank you, my friend.
1: How are you? Very well, thank you. It's been a while. It has indeed, but we're back and I'm using a new microphone, so uh, hopefully that sounds pleasant to everyone's ears. So hopefully there will be no technical hiccups whatsoever this
0: episode. What could go wrong? (laughs) It's Tom and Matt Attack.
1: Here's what we're hoping for. Hoping it doesn't go wrong. It seems like it's not peaking or anything like that. In fact, it seems to be a consistent level. Is it loud enough? I guess we'll have to uh, wait and see on that one. Well,
0: fortunately, through the wonders of Post, I can do some things about that. Not a lot
1: if it's too low, but we will figure it out. I think it will be all right, though. I think good. We're, we're good. Okay, video games. Yeah, trying to remember what they are. Um, uh. They're a
0: thing that you play to pass the time, to make you feel uh, not so alone, and that you know you you have control over your life, and a, a good way to escape the monotony of the day to day grind. I believe that's what you will find in the Oxford Dictionary if you were to pick mm, one up.
1: I think that's pretty apt, pretty on point. That but... I asked ChatGPT to tell me what it thought of video games, and it said. What, Did you? you?
0: No, I didn't. Is it? Oh, okay. I, it, I, I wouldn't, Tom. I wouldn't. Um, yeah, no, video games. Uh, there's been a whole plethora of announcements since we have last spoken. Um, some of that due to holidays, some of that due to um, microphones deciding, no, you know what, I quit. I don't want to be talked into anymore. Yeah. But we're back. Um, would you like to talk about video games we have played, or would you just like to get into discussing some of the things that we've gone... <laughs> hmm about in our absence
1: well my thing that we just briefly talked about that and you said that you didn't want to talk about it
0: well i mean (laughs) more my thought is shall we get it out of the way because i know everyone and their mum is probably sick about hearing announcements that said though there were two made this very week that i was like oh that's interesting i can't wait to play that
1: go on i'd love to hear Um, that
0: two of them Weirdly, both from uh, the fine folks at WayForward, um, they are making a remake of the original Super Nintendo Clock Tower game. I don't know if you've seen this.
1: Yes, yes, I know all about uh, this announcement from Limited Run.
0: Yes, it, it it's a very yeah. strange announcement. I saw it and I was just like, oh, I'm here for that all day because I absolutely adore the original Clock Tower. Um, as someone who's a big fan of the second one also, I, I'm i just super happy that this is going to come out next
1: year. Um, essentially... It's not just a straight remake, is it?
0: No, it isn't. I mean, it's going to have like new art assets and things put in between for some of the cutscenes and stuff. They look like they're doing a lot of work to make this something special, and I, I can't wait. I think that original game is absolutely excellent. And so I'd seen that, and I was like, wow, that's cool. Uh, that They're going to pack the original Super Nintendo game with, like, updated animations and stuff. Like, that sounds dope. Also, there's save states, because as someone who played that game way back when on an Emulator, it's one of the games that I can't imagine playing without save states because the game is so unpredictable and Scissorman can just show up who's the for those of you who don't know Clock Tower I should say essentially what it is is a survival horror game for the Super Nintendo that was originally released in Japan it spawned some sequels that we did see here in the west most notably Clock Tower 2 which just came out as Clock Tower on the PS1 and then Clock Tower 3 on the PS2 and I don't think any other games in the series came out there's one on the Wonderswan which you might have heard me talk about on this podcast which is essentially a Wonderswan remake of the first game very very good if you want to play it on an emulator there's some excellent fan translations of it but generally, what happens is you're a girl in this first game who goes to an orphanage, I believe, uh, along with some other girls. And uh, surprise, surprise, the house is invaded/slash haunted by a character called the Scissor Man, who is a, a man with giant scissor-like blades on his hands, a kid and two Edward Scissor hands. Your
1: goal is to try and escape. Is he though, Matt? Doesn't he just hold the scissors?
0: I thought he had scissors on his hands. Admittedly, I'm
1: just recalling a thumbnail image I did. Uh, he might years have just had.
0: Ago. He might have just had a giant pair of scissors. You are correct.
1: Yeah, because I, I did a croc uh, with the scissors.
0: No, we you are right. It is a giant. It is just, a giant, to, it is just yeah. a giant pair of scissors. Yeah. For some reason, we talked about Clock Tower Two. No, he's just got a giant pair of scissors. He's a very short man in a tuxedo. He look he kind of looks yeah. like Jigsaw's doll from um Saw, but with a giant pair of scissors instead of a tricycle.
1: Is he hopping around with his big old scissors? Yes, and taunting you.
0: He appears out of nowhere and like some of the scenery you think is just, you know, background scenery, but then it turns out, oh, no, actually, that window or that cabinet can open and man will, like, run out and run at you with blades. Kind of like how you would imagine Nemesis should have worked in Resident Evil 3. He is this constant threat. You were going around this mansion trying to find the other girls that have come to this orphanage with you and escape with them there are multiple different endings depending on how many people you manage to save and how you interact with Scissorman but generally speaking he is a constant threat, you are a ghoul uh, who doesn't really have any means to defend back against him and so you are trying to evade him um, by using obstacles in the environment and generally just running as fast as you can in and out of rooms it's great. I love that game. I can't wait to play it again. And interestingly enough, the other game that was announced as part of that limited run thing that really piqued my interest was they're finally making the Shantae game that should have come out on the Game Boy Advance and finishing that off.
1: So it was that one that piqued your interest and not the one that piqued my interest. Yes. Uh, well, which we've talked about on this podcast before.
0: Yes, and I I, I think I know the one, but I shan't reveal. But yeah, it's the, the Game Boy Advance podcast. Uh, uh, Shantae Advance that they've now given a subtitle to um, Risky Revolution um, I'm looking forward to playing it. Admittedly that game did kind of end up getting enhanced and being the game they released on the Nintendo DS if memory serves. But I'm, I'm always up for a new Game Boy Advance game I'm very curious to see what that team was planning to do with the Game Boy Advance, because I'm sure it's probably going to push it to its limits the way that the Game Boy Color game did.
1: And now with it... So that... Yeah. Sorry.
0: sorry. Continue, Matt. I was just going to say, and now with it coming out so many years after the Game Boy Advance's obviously release, I'm sure there are lots of tricks and weird wizardry that people have figured out for programming (laughs) for the Game Boy Advance that will make it a stellar Game Boy Advance title. I
1: can't wait to see it. I was just going to ask you, Matt, is Isn't there quite a few Shantae games now? Do we really need another one?
0: I mean, (laughs) this is like the lost piece of Shantae, though. That's why I'm very curious about this game. Like, this is. Hmm. This should have been Shantae 2. And for all intents and purposes, from sounds of things, they had all the design documents and stuff, they'd programmed a significant portion of the game. It just mm. never got released, and so this will finally see the release of that game, and I'm I'm very excited for that because it's a bit of a, a missing piece of video gaming history, in my opinion.
1: Off the top of your head, how many are there now, Shantae games?
0: There are five, I think. Great. Right?
1: Oh, only five? In my in my mind, I feel like there's like ten or something. No, but I'm I'm no. pretty
0: sure there are five. So there's Shante, there's Risky's Revenge, Pirates' Curse. Oh sirens song and I need to look up the other one. Um
1: hmm. and these are released uh, across various formats. Oh half genie hero
0: this- as well, and the original. Like I correct I'm I I correct myself, I believe then there's six. Shante seven seven sirens, half genie hero, risky's revenge. No, there's five. I am right, there is five.
1: And you can play them on all sorts of consoles, starting with the the Game Boy Color I mean, for the original and then through to yes. DS. So it, and...
0: it goes Game Boy Color, Game Boy, uh, Nintendo DS, 3DS, slash Wii U, I think, and then Switch, PS5, PS4, everything else. And then I think those games... Uh, like i think all of them are now available in various guises on modern day platforms i think you can play them all on switch all on xbox all on playstation i don't think there's any hindrance to you enjoying and playing the Shantae games
1: okay yeah and now they're slipping in that that generation they missed out yeah which, they made that leap from game boy color to um nintendo ds which
0: eventually yeah. became risky's revenge but from what I remember during the interviews I did on that way forward direct and a lot of the research I did, I think they somewhat changed the plot. And so, hopefully, this original kind of sticks to what they were going to release the game by advance. Because I've been long curious to see it. The way forward team did actually do some live streams with a beta build of it once, and it looked really cool. So.
1: So this was all announced on uh, Limited Runs uh, live stream. I don't know if they had a fancy title for it or something, but they they had a big, uh, uh, a long video that was released uh, the other week uh, with all sorts of announcements in. And it seems like uh, they're working very closely with the likes of Way Forward and some other developers as well. So is that are they funding these games in some part? limited right i believe so yes i mean it's it's they're publishing them
0: um yes they are publishing them i mean obviously i think okay. to some extent as well they are paying for the the studios to go in and do the work that they need to do um okay yeah i mean i i know what you were going to be excited at. i just looked at this list again and i was like oh yeah i forgot about that because there were so many other things, like the Castlevania Advance Collection, that, of course, I overlooked your strange fascination with the CDI, and, of course, that you were excited about Plumbers Don't Wear Ties, the definitive edition. Of course, that's what we're going to talk about for the next half an hour. No, no, no
1: that's a th- uh, 3DO game, if I'm uh, yeah, not mistaken. It, do- it doesn't matter, Tom. I know you were going to talk about games. <laughs> <laughs> it's trying to delay the inevitable well the other one was actually something which is quite fascinating and you might have to look at the name of it but they're basically making another game in the same vein as the cdi zelda games in fact the first two cdi zelda games faces of evil and wand of gamelon is it yeah it could be incorrect but it's really a throwback to that period of games with the uh Animated cutscenes and uh, the, the same art style as seen in, in in those titles. So if they manage to improve on the the gameplay of those, I think they could be quite a fun throwback to a time which I'm very fond of, yeah. and that is the the period of the CDI and the FMV game. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Gex is the uh, the big announcement for me. Now, all this has been done through something called the Carbon Engine, which I've done a little bit of research on, and it's an emulation system um, that's been developed in-house. Yes, um, Specific- and- specifically to
0: enable them to port retro games going forward. Uh, yeah. They did a yeah. lot of extensive stuff on this. this is, it was originally for Shantae, wasn't it? Like Shantae was yeah. the first Carbon Engine game.
1: That's right, so that that's the Game Boy Color, and, and they're adding more, as they call it, engines to their engine as they continue to release these titles. They've got the Dressing Park collection, which has got Super Nintendo and Game Boy, I think, yeah, on it. Mm-hmm. And so they, they've got those there, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Super Nintendo, and they've also added PS1, which I think, are they re-releasing Tomba as well? They are re-releasing
0: Tomba. I yeah. was going to bring that up, yeah. They're now, also Tom, but... they're also re-releasing El Shaddai, which I'm are they now? for the Nintendo Switch, yeah. So, oh, fascinating. There's a lot of games I... that get a lot of airtime. The rest are like, oh, I love that game.
1: And what I'm going to find really interesting is how they approach porting uh, the three Gex games because you've got one 2D game and you've got yeah. two 3D games. Yeah. That you've also got the they're calling it the Gex trilogy, but there are also two Game Boy Color games yeah which they have the ability through having the game boy color emulation yeah there, i wonder if they'll get thrown into the mix as some sort of unlockable extras probably why wouldn't you? yeah because that would be a complete why not why miss an opportunity they must have the rights to all of it yeah so it will it'd be nice to see them in there too i will say this from what i remember those game Boy color games aren't great no, no. Um, I think in general, if if you talk to your average uh, video gaming fan, uh, that Gex isn't a standout platform series. However, when you think about it, though, uh, Gex 3D at the time, as it was yeah. released on the PS1, was a bit of a, a breakthrough. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't that many... 3D platformers around at the time and that did something akin to Super Mario 64 where you had a world with objectives to do a variety of different worlds yeah. it was uh, remote controls to collect uh, similar to the original I really game. liked
0: the original Gex
1: Gex like, 3D We're talking
0: I, I liked Gex, I like Gex 3 I I've played all of the Gex games yeah. Like I, I have nothing against Gex
1: I remember at the time when Gex was really, Get 3D was released really and the N64 as Get 64. Yeah. It's a game that I enjoyed very much. I c- could see that it had a sort of B movie aesthetic, but that was the idea. Yeah. In a way, that's sort of the, the concept of the game. You you, you were into B-movies mm-hmm. and such. But that also, I think, extended to the game itself. It was a perfectly playable, quite robust game, but it, it, it wasn't up to the standard of Mario 64 or Banjo-Kazooie, for instance. Yeah. And having come with the back of playing those, playing Gex, you know, you've got a slightly more erratic camera. You, you, you've got a few issues here and there. However, I... It is a solid game, and I found it very enjoyable. And I think perhaps even more so on the PS1, it was a Im- more impressive game because you weren't competing with Banjo and No, uh, exactly, and Mario because they're very very similar type of things. Now, both Spyro and Crash are quite different, but because Gex had the mould of Banjo and and Mario, I th- I think maybe that mm, didn't do it, you know, any favours when it was released on the N64. I just I. I'm trying to think comparatively
0: what I would have played around those times because, like, I remember playing Rascal, which I hated. I remember playing Bubsy 3D, which is not very good. I remember playing Jersey Devil, hmm. and being like, "Oh, these, all these are yeah,
1: kind of much uh, poorer examples of the 3D platformer than, than Gex 3D was."
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And like, the only one I actually kind of weirdly i at some point i i made it in my head of like well this isn't as good as banjo kazooie therefore this game is terrible and honestly like since going back and playing it um i actually have a soft spot for the original two croc games i think i think croc like a ah, croc good.
1: yeah you had a a good team behind croc I
0: and mean, it's argonaut isn't it it's all the yeah. Star Fox folks
1: yeah uh, Croc was one I never played much of but I certainly did play a lot of Gex and, and, and specifically on the N64 and I'm happy to see it coming back I know the PS1 game is you know, it's basically the same as the N64 game there was an extra level in the N64 game it's
0: probably because there's more uh, space on the cartridge right?
1: Yeah, yeah. there was the Titanic level on that there, there was a charm to it and that extended into the sequel I thought, I don't think for me, I have as many fond memories of Gex 3 deep cover Gecko but um, the original Gex was very difficult, I remember that, yeah. 2D one. So the one I'm most excited about in this trilogy is probably the one most people are, that's Gex 3D or Gex 64, Enter the Gecko, uh, which, interestingly, in the UK, was uh, Gex had a change of voice actor.
0: Yeah, it was Dana Carvey, it, wasn't it, in the US?
1: I think so. I also recall the name Danny Gould as well. Okay. Um, I'm not sure which one of those was the the correct voice actor in the US, uh, but
0: Dana Gould uh, voiced all three Stormants in North America.
1: That, that what, what was the name again? Sorry, Matt.
0: Dana, da- Danny, uh, Dana. Uh, Dana Gould. Yeah, he's an American comedian.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, but in the, in the um, UK, we had some very interesting choices. Are you familiar with these, Matthew? Um, you know who we got.
0: No, I don't actually I can't remember
1: we got the carry-on uh favorite oh, Leslie, Leslie Phillips, Phillips which ha- ha- obviously you couldn't get more far rem- far removed than <laughs> than uh, an American comedian next to uh, a British comic actor such as of a certain age as Leslie Phillips was even at the time he did the gex voiceover but that they that resulted in some pretty funny one lines so i don't know if the script was exactly the same between. as uh between versions because i remember that but one line one line sticks in my mind more than any other and it was uh, he's hopping around in a bunny costume and he, he says i feel like i'm in boy george's pants i
0: must have been localized it's got to have yeah.
1: <laughs> so they rewrote the script for for the um British uh, edition. Um, I think the European. I don't know. I mean, he must have had different voice actors in different countries. There must have been a German Gex, a French Gex, Spanish Gex.
0: Well, I mean, we didn't even have consistent voice actors from the looks of things. So we had Dana Gould for the first game.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: Then it was Leslie Phillips. Then it was da- uh, Danny John Danny Jules. Danny John Jules. Who was Cat, who in was Red most Dwarf. Cat. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah,
1: I, I enjoyed uh, Danny John Jewels as well, but I think for me, the, the one as as it is, I remember get 3D the most fondly. The one I have the most fondness for is Leslie Phillips as Gex. I wonder if there'll be a option on the game to change the regional uh, I voice. I doubt it very much. I think it'll just it be pro- Dana Gould. <sighs> that's a shame, isn't it?
0: Well, I mean, it's kind the of the late
1: fun. great Leslie Phillips will never be. Uh, Heard his gex again.
0: Well, they probably have to go in and, like, A, a secure all the voice acting rights, and B, Mm. like, probably go through a lot of the script and be like, hmm, do we make Boy George's pants
1: jokes in 2023? Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps that's a consideration as well. Uh, But yeah, um, when... Because of that, we might not hear Danny John Jules as Gex again. This is important stuff, Matt, that I don't know if any other podcasts are talking about, but we are right now. We're on
0: the cutting edge of Gex. (laughs) Cutting edge with your
1: Scissor Man there, cutting edge.
0: Cutting edge.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Interesting to know, actually, going back to Scissor Man. There's a song by XTC called Scissor Man. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know it. I, I must admit uh, look it up, listeners, if you want to hear a song about a scissor man. I don't know if it's got any way anyway, collected to Clock Tower. I assume I, it's I, not. I, I
0: see. I, I'm pretty confident in saying that I don't think it is.
1: I think it's more of a hero character because I think the lyric was "Snippy, Snippy goes a scissor man, cutting into evildoers' ways." Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, we shall move on uh, to another announcement, which uh, we're both very fond of—a uh, game a re-release of a game we're both very fond of that game being shadow of the damned is getting what they're calling a remaster for modern consoles everything apparently it's going to be on um maybe i think that was uh what the trailer said yes well i mean the maybe
0: i think in question is probably the nintendo switch which ironically you would run it would be the easiest console to run it, it seems is a ps3 slash xbox 360 title but hey maybe they are yeah, redoing so much of it that they're like mm, maybe not
1: i don't know because the footage they showed uh, which was very much as was clearly stated on the footage was in development yeah looked just like i remember the xbox version looking 360 yeah okay. uh so i don't think we're going to see a massive improvement in any sort of Maybe higher resolution, faster frame rates, perhaps, but it, it was a fine game to begin with. So, yeah, I, I, I just think it's nice that it's getting some sort of attention because this is a game that really did feel like it was a bit lost.
0: Yeah.
1: And, of course, the pedigree behind it, Suda51, and I wish I could remember the name of the, direct, the Resident Evil director who also worked uh, alongside Suda for Shinji that one. Murakami? Mikami, yeah. Shinji Murakami. Mikami, Shinji Mikami, yes. Uh famed for his work on uh, Resident Evil and among others also the composer is the same guy who did Silent Hill yes Um, I remember getting the soundtrack at the time direct from Grasshopper because the the music was of a very high quality Mm uh and it's, it's, it's a funny, this it's game doesn't take itself seriously, it's backed up by really solid third-person action gameplay, some really out-there ideas, of course, when you've got Suda51, indeed. But I think what you had there Shinji Mikami reining in Suda somewhat to create a game which wasn't as far out as perhaps No More Heroes, but felt like a very solid action game with quirkier elements. Yes. Yeah.
0: I, I like, That's fair to say. I like Shadows of Damned a lot. I um,
1: I play it again on a modern system I, for sure.
0: I will definitely play it again. Um, I look forward to you know seeing Johnson firing the big boner, etc., etc. <laughs> the
1: big boner, yes. The 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 level of uh, you know maturity in that game yes, is nice the, and low.
0: The the innuendo um, level is high, as is the action and violence. It it is it's a good game.
1: It's a great game and it's a Matt Attack favourite and I didn't necessarily uh, anticipate a time when we'd be saying, oh, it's coming back, but happy to hear the good news. Exactly. I mean,
0: it keeps it in that rotation. I mean, if you are playing Matt Attack bingo at home, you will know that there are, you know, a couple of games that we'd like to bring up. Um, I I would also just like to say, even though I'm not going to talk about it really in depth, um, that we finally have a title for Yakuza 8 um it is like a dragon infinite wealth uh and it's, it's supposed to come out next year um and obviously we finally got a release date as well for like a dragon the man who erased his name which is the spin-off set between yakuza 6 and 7 to tell you what happened with Kazuma Kiryu after he quote-unquote died um so it's gonna be fun it's out in november so look forward to me talking a lot about yakuza into the festive season <laughs>
1: There are a few games that are very much theme like that for us on the horizon, and uh, that's nice. In, in In a world where I become less and less uh, excited about announcements. Uh, But I can get excited about the likes of Gex and Shadows of the Damned, I I feel like.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's almost as if we're tastemakers, Tom, as if it's almost as if us putting this out into the universe and talking about these games on a week by week basis has kept them in the zeitgeist long enough for someone to go, yes, we really do need the Shadows of the Damned. Yeah, I TV think we're master. also
1: responsible for Shenmue 3 as well, aren't we? I mean, d- d-
0: yeah, definitely. For better or worse, for respons- <laughs> you're responsible for Shenmue 3. I take none of the blame. Um,
1: I did. T- well, Yes, I was one of the Kickstarter backers.
0: I was also a Kickstarter backer, as I think was some of our listeners. And what, you've never played it? I, or? Well, I mean, I, I, had to, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you told me enough that I was like, okay, cool. Um, from the sounds of things, I read a very interesting article the other day that was like, well, Shenmue's last chance is manga um in that someone was saying like well they're never going to make more video games that seems to be a folk on conclusion at this point they aren't going to continue the anime from what I've seen now as I've well. heard the
1: same about the anime and yeah. so
0: they've essentially said like well if you want to tell this story probably your best bet is manga and I I'm all for that I think a Shenmue manga would be very interesting
1: I think there there is an inherent issue with this. So the fact I dropped off the Shemu anime because, actually, it was quite dull. Yeah, and and I hate to say that because I'm very invested in the story of the games, but I think Shemu seems to work best as an interactive experience, and watching it Rio Rio, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do those same things in animated form. Wasn't as compelling as I anticipated it might be. I I do really need to go back to it and finish it off because I think perhaps I'm being a bit harsh maybe, because perhaps maybe one episode it was a particularly dull experience. Yeah. Uh, because some of the things you do in the game are dull, but because it's an interactive thing, uh, I think you kind of look past that a little bit. Yeah, but... I- when you watch that played out as an anime, it's not... I didn't find it as exciting also i mean the animation is okay but it's it's not uh, fantastic unfortunately uh i think i'd love to see a a movie perhaps uh to finish off shenmue i think it's something with a higher budget but from what you say matt there uh, <laughs> i don't
0: think there is budget. i, I, I don't think had.
1: anyone's going to put that much money into doing something to Shenmue so perhaps manga is our final hope to see the end of that which is a, a terrible shame because I think it does work best as a video game there are some rough edges to Shenmue 3 I think if you remove some of these really far out uh, uh, mechanics that are added for example eating was stupid having stamina in Shenmue was not the best idea uh, if, if you uh, you know Smooth off those rough edges, I think chemu four could redeem um some of those uh, slightly disappointing aspects of chemu three i
0: I just think obviously with the way the world has moved on, and I also just think the fact of the matter is that game is so. That seemingly poorly received both by fans and by critics, mm-hmm. and I think it is a very hard sell to say you know what the world needs is Shenmue Four.
1: Well, yes, I, I'm afraid I have to agree, which is is a terrible shame. Perhaps if that game was a little bit more on it when it was released, and uh, then it would have been uh, received better, and we might have got a sequel. But you know, I mean, it's Shenmue, isn't it? it it's quirky. I suppose that's... part of its appeal was the fact it was sort of not like anything else. Yeah, but that's why
0: I could see it working as a manga because I think mm. there is action, there is a lot of like mystery and storytelling, and there is also like a lot of slice of life stuff and like all of those work really well within different manga and I I think mm. you could actually quite easily tell that story through the medium of manga and land it.
1: Yeah, well, let us know uh, what you think of uh, Shenmue. Uh, is it were best as a game, an anime, or do you think a manga could be uh, the way to go forward? We'd be really interested to hear listeners' thoughts on that particular it
0: question. It would, and...
1: If anyone out there is in, who listens to this is as invested in Shenmue as I I am.
0: mean, to be fair, at this point, I think you kind of have to have some level of investment in Shenmue if you're still listening to this podcast, because here we are talking about the latest and greatest announcements, and we're like, yeah, oh, more Shenmue, please. It's my fault I brought up Yakuza. Um, Anyway, on that note, though, you have finally ticked off all of your Tom and Matt Attack bingo card. I can, we can actually refer you to the person checking the price cards, um, and I'm sure they will give you an assortment of novelty gifts uh, for being able to listen to this podcast and go, right, they've said Yakuza, they've said Shadows of the Damned, they've said Shenmue. They've talked about some other obscure games. Gex is definitely on there. They've brought up the CDI. Now, Tom (laughs) Parry, let's move into the future. Let's talk about the game that everyone was talking about, and honestly, in the circles I was on on the internet, loving to complain about, it's Final Fantasy 16. I have beaten yeah. that game because it's been so long since we last podcasted.
1: Congratulations, Matthew. I just like to say I don't know um why all the um criticism. Right. Tell me, tell me a bit about this.
0: Final Fantasy 16, game recently. I played the demo by the way. Yeah, you have. Um and we'll talk briefly about your experience of the demo I think after this. Final Fantasy 16, a game released um in July or end of June 2020. In 2023. Um, it was a game from Square Enix, of course, the people who make Final Fantasy, but this one, this particular entry, helmed by Yoshi P, uh, famed director and much beloved by fans director for Final Fantasy 14. Now, with that um, came a trailer, I believe two E3s ago, where they were showing it off and it looked very much inspired by Western fantasy, which is, of course, kind of the birth of a lot of what we now call jrpgs anyway i mean wizardry is the thing that inspired dragon quest which in turn inspired final fantasy 7 like uh final fantasy in general not 7 obviously a lot of that stuff a lot of that oh we are gonna draw from high fantasy from tolkien from dungeons and dragons and all of this kind of stuff has been inherent in the background of Japanese role-playing games specifically for a long time, or should I say Japanese-developed role-playing games, as is the cadence now. But, obviously, there are there are certain expectations for people when it comes to Final Fantasy. There is a certain expectation of how the plot will be told, how the battling will happen, and everything else. And a lot of the complaints I've seen are, well, it's, it feels too much like the Game of Thrones, which I'm like, okay, yeah, that." Perhaps that is a fair criticism. Perhaps it could have done with a bit less of the the, the influence of George R. R. Martin and Westeros, for sure, and that's something I agree with on completing the game. But so many of these people are like, oh, it, it's not Final Fantasy, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do that. I'm just like... What series have you been playing for the past, like, 15 years? Did you not... I drove around in a car in the American Midwest in Final Fantasy XV to go to very, like, Western-inspired castles. Um, Does it
1: say something about the tastes of a lot of uh, Japanese role-playing fans?
0: Yes, it does. Um, I think that there are certain things this game does very well, most notably the combat. Um, It is the thing that, to be honest with you, I find myself being drawn to most role-playing games that are coming from Japanese studios in recent years because the combat systems are so tight. Be that in producing an absolutely excellent turn-based system, as was the case with Atlas's Persona 5, or in recent years I've really enjoyed Final Fantasy VII Remake as well as Final Fantasy Fifteen because of their take on RPG combat but using action as the means to do that rather than keeping it turn-based. And I I think that there is a lot of stuff that people are kind of flat-out rejected with Final Fantasy sixteen, which I think is a shame, because there's a lot of people saying, oh, no, it's, it's too much like Game of Thrones, it's too much like this, it isn't the kind of story that you would traditionally get from Final Fantasy. And I'm just like, not really. Like, yes, aesthetically, yes, some of the choices that happen in the storytelling like you and i touched upon there's a a scene pretty much in the opening of the game in the demo where one of the characters like pins another character up against the wall and they're like in a sexual fashion not a violent fashion and i'm like well that that kind of stuff is kind of interjected it kind of feels a bit out of place to be honest with the rest of the story they're telling but
1: it's
0: not it's not all of that and a lot of the storytelling beats and honestly a lot of the main beats about like what happens to characters and some emotive moments that are in the story I just honestly just like pretty generic story beats that I wouldn't necessarily attribute to Western fantasy alone I think Final Fantasy has actually trod a lot of these same paths before now, ha- Can I ask, yeah. Matthew,
1: before you continue, are-, are Crystals involved anyway?
0: Yes, they absolutely are, and they're very I- I central think to, think to the there story.
1: Was, from playing the demo, I recall the mention of Crystals. I just wanted to clarify.
0: And it, Honestly, they are so intrinsic to the story, that I'm like, this is just... It feels like you're tapping Final Fantasy IV more than Game of Thrones in a lot of the storytelling here. I, I don't know. It feels to me like the internet has latched onto this idea that final fantasy 16 is bad because it's not it's not quote-unquote japanese enough which i think is ridiculous because again that <laughs> there are there are clear similarities i can draw here to some of my favorite entries in the more traditional final fantasy vein of four and six it feels like there are bits that are definitely present of what I would consider a Final Fantasy game, and perhaps even more so, I think, than I've seen in a long time in a Final Fantasy game in some respects, other than perhaps fourteen, which is obviously where Yoshi-P came from. Now, if you were to bring the criticisms, hmm, this is a pretty linear experience, much in the same way that everyone roasted final fantasy 13 for i would say perhaps you have a valid stance to criticize this game it is pretty linear yes there are things that you can do in the world where you're exploring but generally speaking you're going from story beat to story beat to story beat to story beat much in the same way you were with final fantasy 13 if you were to criticise the fact that a lot of the game feels like it is paced like an mmo rather than a single player experience i would perhaps agree with you as well and say yeah there's a lot of fetch quests that my brain kind of is fine with doing because it's final fantasy 14 poisoned at this point but generally speaking, I was like, "Why am I running down this ladder to kill these crabs to give a man a thing?" This just feels like needless padding in a game that are already were they giant on. crabs? They were giant crabs, of course. Um, mm. Giant enemy crabs. Giant enemy crabs. Uh, it's the only kind of crab. Um, it's those would be fair criticisms of the game. I uh, I would I would throw in a a further one of this game's scope and scale feels like they kind of either ran out of steam or run out of budget towards the end of it because some of the story beats seem uncharacteristic actually much like game of thrones you know did you did you watch game of thrones at all yes you know i did you know the start of game of thrones was very like slow and drawn out and everything felt like it had meaning and depth and when the surprises came, you're like, oh shit, that was surprising because I didn't expect it because it seemed like such a fast moment in such a long drawn out arc. Towards the end of Final Fantasy sixteen, as with a lot of big budget games in recent years, uh, as I think is very prevalent in Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, it feels like there was supposed to be more... Of a story or more that the player was supposed to do between two missions, sometimes. There was one particular point where I fought a character towards the end of the game and they ended up beating me within cutscenes and stuff. Like it was clear that the battle was won by that person. And then half an hour later, I was fighting them again in an actual boss battle and they were like, Ah, you've grown so much stronger. And I'm like, i shouldn't have (laughs) because it's literally been Mm. half an hour some of that stuff is like it, it feels like it follows that game of thrones like right well these are the plot bits we needed to hit we're at the end shit quick get these plot bits in get these plot bits in
1: how long of a game are we talking
0: i so i literally did almost everything you can do in that game so i beat every single side quest i beat every single monster hunt And I did the main story. There's some stuff that I have left over, like there's some kind of like trial things you can do within the game. And I think I clocked it in about 45 hours. Hmm. Which, you know, is a long game. And I honestly, like, I think there is a. I would like to get the platinum in this game as I did with 15. There is some stuff I need to do to be able to do that. And generally speaking, it involves doing these time trial things and it involves playing the game through again on what is called Final Fantasy difficulty. I'm very curious if I were to do that, if I were to skip all the cutscenes, how long the game would actually be. Now, now mm-hmm. that I didn't have to do all of the side questy stuff. I imagine if you were to just gun it and mainline everything and skip all the cutscenes, game's probably about... Half that length, if not less, yeah, about a
1: 20 hour game or something. I, yeah. I
0: would say so. I would probably, I would say, probably, if you didn't have to do all the side quest stuff because that takes time and obviously they're longer battles, I think you could probably do it in about 15 hours. I don't know, it, it, doesn't, well, fe- okay. it doesn't feel but like to me Why like would you long. skip, <laughs> yeah, exactly, season,
1: something that is story driven like Final Fantasy? And to
0: be fair. To get onto the good points of this game, the story is engaging. I did have a good time in Final Fantasy sixteen. Again, I wish the end had been paced a bit better. I wish perhaps some of the length they explain they spent on the opening parts of that game with characters I would argue that is not as interesting as those you meet towards the end. I I think it would definitely be a stronger one. I th- I think it's a good game. I think it's a good entry into the series. It's not one that I will perhaps go out of my way to buy merchandise of and stuff in the same ways. I don't think it is going to have the same resonance as previous games in the series. Because to be honest with you, since 12, which I played later than it came out, I've not really felt that same warmth and breadth of the characters. I liked some of the cast of 13. I thought some of the cast of 15 were good as well, and obviously I like 14, but that's in its own weird MMO realm. But it I don't think the characters here are that appealing. There's very good writing, but like none of the characters are really that memorable. I don't really like Clive as a character. he feels like a a general Shonen and jump protagonist, and I don't want to say the names of any of the other characters other than I think they do Jill dirty um I don't th- Jill yes Jill is the only is the only main. Party member, because party members were slightly different in this game. Generally speaking, you are in control of Clive uh, Rossfield, who is the protagonist of this story. That's quite
1: a, a good masculine name.
0: Uh, Rossfield, good surname. Rossfield. Clive, bad first name, in my opinion. Clive. Yeah, generally speaking, your main cast of yeah. characters is you will have Clive, and then you will have Torgle, your dog is always with you. Um, you wouldn't have met him, Tom. A slight spoilers to start final fantasy. Oh,
1: you do, but don't you? You
0: know the little dog that the girls yeah, around yeah. he, become, in the demo, he becomes you see your, your, your wolof and he becomes one of your party members. Yeah. He's good. I like Toggle. Yeah. Toggle is a good boy. Um generally speaking, like you get characters that come in and out of your party depending on what's happening in the story, because sometimes it's like, Right, Jill, you will go here with this person and you will do these things and you, you see the bits of that within the story but you don't actually play those bits which makes me think are they going to be DLC but on the yeah. other hand i think are they engaging enough to be DLC because <laughs> all you're going to be doing is really running the opposite side of the wall and fighting more people um i the the cast of characters within themselves are interesting like i said but the chill i think is the on, is the is the main female character of the story She's there to clearly to be a love interest for Clive. They are a childhood romance, as is the final fancy vein between the likes of Cloud and Tifa. But she, despite having a lot of really traumatic shit done to her, she's more there to be someone that Clive can relate to for his problems rather than actually them getting into why Jill is an interesting character, which is a bit of a shame. And I, I think that is true, to be honest with you, of other characters in that game. I just don't want to name names because I don't want to spoil things for people who okay. haven't played it.
1: Um, you, you'd recommend it, though? You, I would. You think this is a game so, that's certainly worth playing?
0: Definitely. So, do, again, do, I, I ended up going into a, a a a thing because I think I needed to say that piece about Jill being the, a severely underdeveloped character for the character's potential, given the story and the setup for her. I think it's a bit sad that she... Doesn't get more props in the story, but it is very much a story about Clive. So, hmm. I kind of get why in the way they tell it, it isn't really that possible. But I, I feel that they should have spent a bit more time developing the secondary calendar characters because it feels like all of their storylines are a bit rushed. Um, the combat is excellent. I, I will say this. At the start, um, you've played it in the demo. like The combat mm. system is pretty robust. You start when, at the start of the game, Clive is what is considered a bearer within this world uh, which is essentially means someone that can use magic and generally speaking bearers are used from everything in this world to from lighting fires to like cleaning water and whatever because everything in this world revolves around magic and the use of crystals and bearers mm. are a way of kind of doing stuff in the world without the need for a crystal which uh, are seemingly There's something going on in this world where there's the blight and it's like this darkness is spreading across the land and making everything barren and so crystals are exceptionally important within this world because they are keeping everything going and also allowing Mm. people to use magic to defend because much... Very Final Fantasy. Very Final Fantasy, but where the Western influence, I think, comes in on the storytelling is there's lots of wars happening with lots of different kingdoms competing for the limited resources that are left there's a very thinly veiled like environmental thing to this story of like oh we keep using these crystals and you know maybe they're not so good um but it it is what it is in the background so clive is a bearer so clive is um the bearer of the power of the phoenix which his brother is the oh god i've forgotten what you're called when you have a summon um, a dominant. Cl- Clive's mm. little brother Joshua is a dominant. Uh, he's so
1: he's seen as the the, the better child, isn't he? Yes, he, in, in he is. Uh, yeah. the, whoever is the, the golden whoever boy, whoever
0: is the dominant, inherits the throne in Clive's particular kingdom. And so his mum clearly loves his little brother more than him and doesn't really sees him almost as a failure. His mother's a terrible person, um, but his dad obviously loves both his kids equally and. It's there... an appealing
1: character from the demo, at least. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Cleb's dad disease. Um yeah. and so generally speaking, what that means is you you have a, a combat system that's pretty robust. Um you essentially it boils down to press square for like a light attack, press uh, triangle for a heavy attack. You can lock onto enemies with L one, you can dodge with R one, and then Circle tends to offer a special effect. In the case of the Phoenix Power, it allows you to like pretty much zip to an enemy. So you can like yes, bounce I around recall. the battlefield and like slap slap people a couple of times and then jump to another enemy and slap those a couple of times. And then what I liked
1: about it, it's yeah. quite it's quite straightforward really to pick up. It is. Yet there's obvious depth to it
0: it 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 has a lot going for it and like with l2 yeah. uh, with r2 then you can uh essentially like evoke the powers of the phoenix so one of them is an AoE attack that you start with and then the other one is a like a, a more focused like uppercutty like stronger hit mm. all of these things are on a cooldown so you're bouncing around the arena waiting for them to do up naturally as the game progresses you get access to more powers they all have their own skill trees and So you can end up bouncing between three powers on your attacks, which is very Devil May Cry. It feels very much like going between different devil modes and having different devil trigger stuff, as in that game. I think it's very good. I think it's very robust. I think it's very interesting that they're able to put a combat system like this with that much depth into a Final Fantasy game, and for it to be fun to play and never really outstay, it's welcome. That said... It does feel, much like you and I talked about this last week, Tom, when we were trying to record, but alas, microphone problems delayed us. It it feels like, as with those kind of like action games, like your Devil May Cries, like your Bayonetta's, you kind of get to a point with it where some of the levels become less about you running around and trying to solve environmental puzzles as right, we are going to run into this area, we're going to kill a load of enemies in this area, there's going to be a small cutscene, then we're going to run from this area into another one where we're going to do that all over again. And it can be quite guilty of just being like, right, because bosses are essentially about how you can dodge and how you can parry, and yes, you get that same feeling as like a Devil May Cry boss, where you're like, right, how can I take this down the most efficiently? How can I do this? It still doesn't have, perhaps, the depth of a... usual final fantasy boss there's less emphasis on you exploiting type weaknesses or you know trying to do some clever trickery with items or combo effects because you're only controlling clive you don't really have that depth to it you know you're never going to encounter an undead enemy you can throw a phoenix down on and it'll die there's none of that kind of stuff that is inherent in Final Fantasy games, and this It's more about how good are you with this action combat, and how good can you combo things together in the face of crisis. So, hmm. it it
1: does suffer. That's from, the crisis like, core of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there's no cards, <laughs> though. It's worth saying there's no combo cards. But generally speaking, I think Final Fantasy 16 is a great game. <laughs>
1: Bless you, Matthew. Thank you.
0: Um, I think it's a great game. I think it is one that once all of this weird drawing lines in the sand of, oh, this isn't a real Final Fantasy game have passed, I think people will start to play it more, and I think they will understand that, at its core, it's a very good action game with a very engaging story. Whether it it tickles the same notes that a Final Fantasy game would usually tickle for me, I'm not too sure yet. I,
1: mm.
0: As much <laughs> as I... Look, I like
1: the idea you weren't suitably tickled.
0: No, well, see, the thing is, right, I think there are bits in that story that will stick with me. Because, honestly, if you asked me the main story bits of 15, I can't really tell you. I remember that you're kind of exiled from your kingdom and you have to get your kingdom back. Much like as in thirteen I can tell you that the the people who are kind of like blessed as being summons like Vanille are frozen from a years in the past where a big calamity happened to the world. But I can't honestly after ten, there are not I can't really tell you the ins and outs and the, the beats of the story in the same way, because honestly, it doesn't feel like after Final Fantasy X, well, actually, maybe twelve. XII, has got some pretty memorable bits in it, that the, the the stories have that same magic as some of the earlier games. And I would say this is perhaps the closest they've come in a long time to recapturing that, other than Final Fantasy fourteen. I think... The last two quote-unquote mainline single-player Final Fantasy games, 13 and its various spin-offs, and 15, I don't think are very successful in being your traditional Final Fantasy game. And I think this is definitely more in the vein of what I think of when I think of a Final Fantasy game. It It is about a deep story. It is about having an engaging world and things going on in that world that you, the player, are actually involved in and doing stuff around. The only thing I think it falls apart on is, like I said, some of the later game stuff, I think, feels a bit rushed. And I would also argue that while there are compelling characters in this game, there are none... Like, the, the strength of Persona 5 for me... And why I will play every single offshoot of Persona 5... They're going to release a Tactics game in September... Mm. I'm terrible at Tactics games... I'm still going to play it... Because I give a shit about all of those characters... And I want to spend more time with those characters... I can give or take it... In Final Fantasy 16, And for better off or for worse... While I do think they managed to hit the notes of... like, Yes, this is a Final Fantasy game you will remember... I don't think it'll ever be one of my top Final Fantasy games, because I think other games manage to do this in the series where they create an engaging fantasy narrative around crystals and everything else. But I think where it falls flat is the things, like I'm saying, about Jill not being developed enough as a character, like more of the other secondary characters, even being even less developed than she is, don't Mm -hmm. really make me want to engage with that world at all especially as clive is a is a pretty boring main character okay so all in all it's a good 8 out of 10 but i kind of expect a bit higher from final Fantasy games by all means play it by all means go and enjoy it because i think the combat is great i think the actual playing of the game and the day-to-day of going through all those combat scenarios and stuff is great i just I don't think it'll enter my higher echelons of Final Fantasy games, and honestly, as I've said to the people who are complaining this isn't a Final Fantasy game, I think it definitely is. But I also see why people are kind of upset about it not hitting those high highs of the earlier games. Mm. But I okay
1: yeah. yeah, and but but in terms of uh, the presentation. What what, what are your feelings on the look oh, of the game? Oh, God, it's one, the of the, it's one of the and...
0: best-looking games I've ever played. It is, it is mm. amazing to look at. It is The score is absolutely wonderful. It's one of the first games in a long time i found myself listening to the music of while I've yeah. just been doing day-to-day things.
1: I was impressed with the score. I thought it had the, that Final Fantasy DNA um, that gave it... Made it unique, you know, if you look at it, perhaps, you know, maybe, yes, you might compare it to something like Games of Thrones with obviously more anime-style hair. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That's, that sets it apart from something that's inherently Western. But the music itself just transport transported you very much to that Final Fantasy world, I thought, from playing the demo.
0: It's got, it honestly, like I said, it's got everything in it that should make it a great Final Fantasy game. And a lot of mm-hmm. these people who have written it off because it looks too Western... Are fools? I mean, like, God, look at Elden Ring. Elden Ring is clearly drawing on the high fantasy teat, and yet everyone well, loves Elden Ring. So, I, I don't know. I,
1: I, yeah, exactly. Yes, because it's just, it's George R R. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, who wrote the backstory to Elden Ring? Exactly.
0: Rings. But I mean, even <laughs> if even if it didn't, like Dark Souls and stuff. Of, I, th- I think if you're complaining that things like Game of Thrones have influenced your, your quote-unquote Japanese role-playing games like, you've not been paying attention to like anime and a lot of what's going on within Japanese storytelling culture for a long time because they've, they've played with these tropes for years and again, that is the yeah, origin I didn't of think the series
1: partic- yes, absolutely, yeah
0: if anything, they've made a modern game and, you know, the characters look more realistic, which then I guess potentially lends them to being compared to stuff like Game of Thrones, but fucking cares?
1: But with that hair.
0: But with the hair. I mean, also, again, (laughs) also all of the costumes are like super, super anime. Clive Uh Rossfield's like weird Simon Belmont-esque jumper suit thing is very anime. I don't don't get people, Tom. I don't get people.
1: No. Uh so yeah, there we have it. Are you Any more to say on Final Fantasy 16, man?
0: Um no, I I think that's pretty much it. If you if you enjoy Final Fantasy games, I say play it. If you enjoy action games and are on the fence about RPGs, also play it. Tom, to, as someone I know who will skip all the cutscenes, when this game goes cheap enough, I would say you should play it because I think honestly,
1: well, you say that skip all the cutscenes. If I am engaged in a game story, I um, I won't skip and i i think there is i think there is enough to be engaged in
0: and mm. I, I i say that meaningfully because i think it does some cool stuff and i think there's some intriguing stuff i just again yeah. i wish i wish they'd spend a bit more time with it at the end to like help <laughs> really land some of those prop beats that have gone throughout the entire story because it's a good game it's got a good story i just want i want i wanted more depth towards the end i wanted more depth with well, the are. characters
1: Keeping up with the latest releases, uh, I played Exo Primal briefly this morning. Yeah, on as part of Xbox Game Pass. It's very uh, throwback kind of setup, bit tongue in cheek. It's it doesn't try and be uh, serious. It's a very simple concept. You're part of an elite force who wear exo armor yep. exo- we you call that exo suits like exo, suits. exo prime yeah. yeah yeah exo suits uh there's different types of suits with different abilities and you move from room to room destroying waves of dinosaurs yep. you can also control dinosaurs as well you can sort of take hold of one get it under your control and it will die after you've used it but yeah um looks nice you get the the story from what I've played is you you're a new recruit you set you make your character you can choose obviously how you you look to a point it's not incredibly in depth at the beginning I, I think maybe you might get other options as you play through the game. But uh, then you, you're teamed up with a ragtag bunch of misfits. Of course you are. Of course. Um, you you're you're on your way to uh, exterminate some dinosaurs. And they flip a coin to say whether or not they want to bother doing it because they're that, you know, yeah, um, they're that edgy, <laughs> man. They're, 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 they're an interesting bunch. One of them looks like the protagonist from Dino Crisis, somewhat with a red, short red hair.
0: That doesn't surprise me, given you know, that it's a Capcom yeah. game about Dino Crisis.
1: sure, sure. Uh, but then there's an accident and you, you crash land on an island and. There introduces you to the concept of teaming up and moving through an area. I imagine, ideally, with other human players, yes, uh, rather than computer players, which I think is is what you're doing initially. But I think that'll open up, and it will. It's a very multiplayer-focused game, one that also does require you to link it to a Capcom ID in order to play it. Mm, interesting. Which uh, I wasn't quite expecting. It's usually an optional thing, but I think that's to do with its online nature. It's,
0: it might also be this game might also feature cross play, and maybe that's how they do it. Yeah,
1: yeah, quite possibly. I have to say, though, you know, I was introduced to the controls and such, and a couple of different exosuits you can swap in and out of. It's nothing revolutionary from what I played of it. In fact, I got quite bored of it quite quickly. And I'd been playing Star Wars Episode 1 Racer recently and just felt the urge to play that instead. In fact, I was only playing that while I was um, installing Exo Primal the other day. I thought, oh, I just want to play something while I wait for it to install. So I thought I'll go back to Episode 1 Racer, a favourite game of mine. And uh, as I was playing Exo Primal and just not really feeling it and feeling a bit sort of bored by it yeah i decided you know what i'd rather be playing pod racer now because uh i know i get a lot more enjoyment out of that wow. so i i played exoprimal very briefly i have deduced that there isn't a lot there that's new really uh but if you want a sort team-based multiplayer focus game where you shoot dinosaurs and exosuits then this is <laughs> that's exactly what it is i I would love that because
0: it kind of I got vibes from the trailer of Lost Planet Two, mm. and I love that game dearly, and so I would like to play it actually while we're talking. I'm looking to see if they have it in the library because I don't wanna yeah. paying that much for it and not trying it, no. but also trying to convince four other people to pay for it so I can play it in multiplayer.
1: I'm I'm not epic? crazy about these sort of games where you move from area to area and defeat waves of enemies. It reminded me slightly of Alien, the latest Alien game. You know that was a team-based uh, shooter. Yeah. Fire team. I can't remember fire. what it was yeah, called. Yeah,
0: fire teams, wasn't it? The Is the, it? the the Left for Dead something, one.
1: Yeah. Something like that, which bored me very quickly, and, and as did this, I'm afraid. So. Uh,
0: like I said, these these kind of games. As was Lost Planet 2 for me for a while. I kind of like chat, line, chat rooms. It's just an excuse for you sure. to team up with your mates on a Thursday afternoon, for example, and um, just have a chat and play things. It's what we did with Destiny. Is what we did with Lost Planet 2. Is what we did mm. with Halo at a certain point.
1: Yeah. And I think for that, it, it, that serves its purpose as being that kind of... Game, the exosuits are varied. Actually, the different types of exosuits are pretty cool. Um, they all have different strengths and weaknesses. Of course, you have got the big heavy tank one, haven't you? You've got the sort of the standard one, and then you've got the uh, the one that's uh, the witch doctor one, which is sort of the healing one. And some of the the concepts in it, feeding uh, the other players with uh, health, uh, is it's how it's referred to as feeding, and you sort of give these sort of energy. Things to other characters, and you can create a healing circle around you, so you can get all your rest of your squad to stand in within that and heal themselves. So, yep, yeah, it's one of them. Yeah, not a genre that I'm particularly into, but there are plenty who are, and at least this has some sort of dinosaurs is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I, um, I like dinosaurs.
1: Conceptually, yeah, yeah, uh, and design-wise, there's some some nice things going on. For me, the gameplay is on on the weak side, and it's particularly. Um, I don't think it's really pushing a boat out or doing anything particularly different than a lot of other games like this. I don't think Exoprimal is going to last in a what what has been quite a a difficult to enter um, genre of games.
0: Yeah, I I imagine it'll come to PlayStation Plus very soon, and therefore I'll play it.
1: Back. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I. I mean, but obviously a lot of uh, attention has been put into the design of uh, uh, the visual design of the game. Yeah. And I think that is particularly strong. But yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't rush out and uh, buy Exoprimal. But if it sounds like that's the kind of game you like and you've got Game Pass, for instance, then certainly try it out. But yeah. Yeah. It's either, it's a bit of Marmite game, I, I would say.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: Yeah, uh, but Episode 1 Racer still holds up to this day <laughs> I played through all the races apart from the Invitational Cup um, got the credits got Sebulba and that game is still incredibly exhilarating and so fast and I think it plays, if you've, you haven't you have played it before or haven't played it since the N64 or or whatever platform PC Dreamcast, whatever you played it on initially uh, then these versions that are out there now are the best it's ever been. Wide screen support, consistent frame rates, um, the music as well. Because the N C four version only has music on the last laps, yeah. But having that Star Wars score throughout on every lap of every three lap race is really gives it that um, a lot of energy, and yeah, it suits the game incredibly well. Of course, uh, yeah, I, I love that game. I think it holds up incredibly well, and. There is uh, a sequel on PS2, which again got a re-release on the modern consoles. And that's also, I played through that game, and that's also very enjoyable. And I think you could do an update of this, a new Podracer game with today's sort of visuals. And I think it would still be quite unique within the genre of these fast racing games. Because Podracer did something... That no one else is doing that whole idea of pushing forward and then boost, you know, pushing forward to raise a meter in order to get get the boost, repairing, and then the upgrades uh, that you can get as well. I think it, it was doing something all of its own, and um, I like all the aliens, of course. Anyway, I could talk to the cows come home about how much I I like Podrace and how much I played it at the time on the N sixty four. Uh, but, yeah, these are the best versions out there now. And if you haven't played it before and you do like these sort of futuristic racing games, or you just like Star Wars, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it does get quite difficult in the later tracks. I mean, when you've got the the, the, the very tight turns and high walls, yeah. And your pods were pod I was using, particularly the strongest thing. So you can die quite easily. You really have to have... Fast reflexes. You have to be a Jedi.
0: Yes. And you, you are yeah. Tom Parry, legally. Yeah. <laughs> um, not since the fall of the Republic, of course, but yeah, on paper before that you were. But
1: yes. We don't talk um, about that. No, no, we don't talk about the, the dark times. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, So that's really, actually, although I tried to play Pokemon Crystal the other day, but it seems my save file's corrupt. Oh, no. And I put a lot into getting a new battery in my copy of Pokemon Silver so I could get myself a Steelix by trading my um, Onyx from Crystal to Silver, Mm -hmm. and then I traded it back from Silver to Crystal. Everything seemed fine. After maybe a month or so of not playing the game, I come back to it. My safe island crystal's corrupt. All that hard work I did replacing the battery in silver go so I could get the Pokemon on crystal. All out of the window, hundreds of hours. Nearly you'd finished playing through the second part of the game where you go back to Kanto. This, so this I was just at the end of... Annoyed. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, it was quite disappointing. I, I, I mean, years ago, I mean, as a child, I would have been distraught, I imagine. It didn't quite affect me in the same way today. But I just started playing Silver instead, which seems to be working fine. And
0: This is why you need to get a Game Boy right there for your computer so you can back up your saves. So if this ever happens again, you replace the battery and then you put the saves. Yeah, the
1: I, and I'm not sure why it happened. I know there's issues in corrupting save data. With the analogue. Perhaps, I think there might be. Yeah. I, th- I think that there is issues with, it, say, the Japanese version of the game and, and, and the other version of the game and doing stuff between them. It corrupts your save. I think. I've just. Uh, but I didn't do that. Yeah. I, I I just use a different system to trade between. Yeah. But now I've ended up with a corrupt save file, and I don't know if this has been documented anywhere. But I've seen a lot of. I can't. I've seen a lot yeah. of
0: people complain about using any game on the analog pocket with save files. Right. So I. That's the shame. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I can say about it.
1: It had been working perfectly for for hundreds. I don't know if they 100 hours, but, but you know, yeah. um, good, a good chunk 20, of time. 40 hours or something played on that game.
0: Yeah. It, it sometimes happens, though, man. These are all temperamental things, and this, unfortunately, is the state of it sometimes.
1: Yeah. Well, there you go. Word of warning, anyway. Yep. Hopefully you won't have the same issue Hopefully either. Hopefully
0: not. Hopefully you will be a Pokemon Master in a safe and responsible way. <laughs>
1: But yeah, I haven't been playing much else other than Grid Legends on the PS5, because I do enjoy a good racing game, as you might have already gathered.
0: I have literally played nothing beyond playing more one-piece card game. Um, That is my... I'm going to play something for 15 minutes, um, just because next week I'm going to an in-store tournament! Ooh! Oh, where's that? In Germany, so I can hopefully win myself a uh, wonderful Monkey D. Luffy with a, a gold... Stamp on it that makes it worth two hundred quid. Let's see.
1: Wow. Well, well, m- well. Maybe the uh, Namco Band, Bandai Namco Cross Store will be open in Camden um, by then.
0: Oh God, I hope so. There's still no announcement for when that opens. No, but there's
1: no date. It says July, yeah. and we're on the 16th of July. Yeah, now, and so I, I keep reco- I, the date recorded. I
0: keep looking, and they still don't announce it. I literally follow that account. It's one of the only things I've been doing on my Twitter is opening it to
1: check when it's going to be open. And By now, you'd expected they'd have a day for opening. You would. Um, if it's opening this month. Well, maybe not, right? Maybe that's why
0: they're reluctant to say a date, because then they'd have to open. But Because
1: um, I expect they're going to get crowds.
0: I assume so, too. I mean, yeah. they're, they're filming stuff within that space, so it seems like most of it's ready to go. It's just not up and running properly yet. Um, when it does, Tom, I may send you on a recce, because I'm hoping they'll have some commemorative one piece promo cards to open and I will I will need them, Tom. I will need them.
1: Oh dear for your your habits.
0: Exactly. Feed my my filthy vices of buying all of the one piece cards.
1: Anyway um
0: that brings us to the end of another episode of Tom and Matt Attack <laughs> yeah. uh, on, my, on my shame. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find us in a variety of places, such as on facebook.com, facebook.com forward slash Tom and Matt Attack. We are on Twitter at TMA Cast, at Game Boyle for me, at Tom Parry11 for him. You can find us on blastprocess.com, tom and Matt talk, dot com forward slash podcast, as well as all of your good podcasting listening places, such as Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, and Spotify. Give us cheeky rate and subscribe, etc, etc. Let us know where you would like to continue Shenmue and the story on Twitter, I guess. It's probably the easiest place for now. Tom, are you on Threads yet? Did you did you get a Threads?
1: I can't be bothered to get another one.
0: Okay, I, I have a Blue Sky. <laughs> I've used it all of once to log in and sign up, but my Blue Sky is Game Boyle. to be there right. if you want to.
1: Okay. Yeah. Threads. I I saw that had appeared. I didn't feel that I had a need for another one. Yeah. I... Um. I know some people maybe don't like uh, Twitter now. It's changed hands. Uh. Some of the, the the changes, perhaps, to Twitter. But for me, for what I use it for, which isn't particularly often, it, it it's.
0: It does it, 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 it does the its job, purpose. but unfortunately, what happens is mm. now, unless you're paying for Twitter, you can't really tweet anything, and expected to be seen by anyone who follows you and mm. so I'm like, oh, okay, ah, okay
1: noise. well, I think, yes. Yeah, if you're seriously into using Twitter, well, it, which I know a lot of people are it isn't even that. that, it's just one. like,
0: why Why would I post into the void? Like, what's the point of that? I feel like I'm doing that sometimes anyway but at least Well, before... I feel like
1: I've always been doing that, so it wouldn't be any different for me but if, if yeah, if people are established to having issues like that then, uh, yeah, I can see that as a reason for it is them. moving to a different one
0: Anyways, um, if you are moving to a different one, then join me on the Blue Sky because that's where I am. Okay, Tom, as always, lovely speaking to you. We'll see how quiet you your too, microphone man. is at the end of this. Um,
1: I think it should be all right looking at these levels. Uh, it's not breaking, peaking, as I said before. So I think this is a good, good level. And hopefully it's very clear. Um, you know, I didn't cheap out on the microphones, So yeah, it should be, it should be all good. It's a Tom uh, Parry uh, seal of
0: me... quality on this podcast.
1: Well let's hope so. Yeah. We'll... You'll find out when you edit this. Yeah, uh, this is true. It'll
0: it'll be it'll be up to me if this if this podcast maintains any seal of quality, but it'll be fine. Anyway, Tom, mm-hmm. thank you as always, mate, for chatting with me and thank you, dear listener, for listening to us babble about you know Shenmue for fifteen minutes in the middle when we didn't really need to, but it's fine.
1: We did half an hour on Final Fantasy XVI. Oh,
0: that's a that's a game that people <laughs> excited year about though, Tom. That's current. We just brought up Shenmue just cause, right? Anyway, we didn't bring up just cause, and we're not going to talk about it here now. Um, thank you, as always. Be sure, as always, to game on. Bye. G- game on. Bye.